0: That's everybody. Come on, we can do better than that. Let's celebrate the man in the house. That's it. We love you, fellas. Great job. Great job, great job, great job. All right, let's pray and let's get to work today, everybody. Let's get to work. Father, thank you for this opportunity that we have around your word today. God, I thank you for every single man in this house. Thank you for the fact that he's here today. He could have chose to be anywhere else. But he wants to be in the house of the Lord. He wants to be tuned in online. So whether they're in Prosper or Louisville, uh, Dallas, or in our OCC global family, we just want to thank all the men for showing up and uh, for keep going. Put in one foot in front of the next and you're still standing. Father, I pray a blessing over every last one. Protect them. Lead them, open each of our hearts now so we can hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, everybody. One more time, let's hear it for the fellas. Come on. Yeah. All right, today I want to remind you of something. I want to remind you of Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. It simply reminds us that every man in this house have five major responsibilities. Responsibility number one, gentlemen, is that you will enjoy the presence of God. God says that a godly man, uh, he created the garden, and he said, after he created everything, he says, chapter one, he created the, that gives you an overview of all the creation. Chapter two, he kind of gives you uh, the details of what happened. He said, man, um, first of all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create a garden. I'm going to put you in there, and you're going to have my presence. Gentlemen, here's what he says. I want you to enjoy my presence. Gentlemen, what God said to us, first up, I want you to enjoy my presence. Here's what he didn't say. He didn't say, I want you to go out to the bush, find a girl in the bush, and then bring her in my presence. He says, no, I want you first to enjoy my presence. So that when you meet her, when I bring her to you, she's going to enjoy my presence too. And y'all going to enjoy my presence because this is the way I created it to be. The problem is that when men leave God's presence in the garden to go out to the bush to find a woman. Now you wonder why all kind of foolishness going on because you weren't meant to be out here hanging out with bush ladies. You're supposed to be in the garden hanging out in the presence of God. <laughs> ladies, let me help you a little bit. Ladies, it is your assignment that you don't find no dude in the bush. What you doing in the bush in the first place? What you doing in the club, sorry, the bush in the first place? What you doing on, like in the uh, bush in the first place? God says, what I created him for is for him to be in my presence. So he says, the first thing I want every man in the house to know today is that you were made in his presence. This is where you belong. Get used to it. Love it. Enjoy it. Enjoy the presence of God. Make him your best friend. Go to him first, not your boys. Hang out with him first. Don't tell the world first. Don't snap it on social media first. Go to him with it first. He created you to be in his presence. Then he says, second assignment he gives you. By the way, all of this is before the lady shows up. Ain't no girl here yet. He's giving you his present. And then number two, please note before the fall, before sin shows up, he gave you a job. Which means you ought to work. Let's talk about work for a moment. It means he does not expect you to get a government check. Well, pastor, I can make more if I stay home from the government than I can go out and work. He didn't call you to stay home. He called you. Say it with me, everybody, to work. Somebody mad right now? <laughs> Man, I'm getting, I'm getting a good amount from the government. Leave me alone. That ain't. That's not what you were made for. You are made to stay home. You are made to go work. You weren't made to be passive. You are made created to be lazy. He's called you, he's called me to go say it with me, everybody, work. Sha job. Now, I don't care by the way if the if the sister, if the girl make more money than you. Too many of y'all get frustrated about that, and I don't know why. If God bless you, and she that smart, and she can go do it for the glory of God then why don't you just receive the blessings from God? What you worried about? Well, you know, a brother need to, I mean, I need to make more money than her because then she's going to think that she running, that she running stuff. No, that's because you're not in his presence. But if you're in his presence, then you know your job is to go work. If she make more than you, praise God. No, let me give you the caveat. Now, if she make more than you, it's still your assignment to be the provider for that house. So let me help you out. Don't clap yet. You might not like the end of the story. <laughs> so if she make more than you, you need to know, ooh, somebody going to run out of the church right now, that, that whenever she decides, whenever you together decides that it's time for her to come home, you still must be the provider. So if it's time for her to say, okay, I, I done did my thing. Sweetie, what do you think, babe? Can I come home? Can this work? What do you think? Da, da, da. When she comes home, you still need to be provided. So that means as you make more money, don't increase your expenses. Because you there might come a time when she need to be home. And if she make more than you, then you're going to work be like a Jamaican working six jobs. <laughs> you got to be prepared. To live with much or little. But you got to be prepared for both worlds. Which means it's your job to be the one who provides for that home. Plan accordingly. Number one, he says, I want you to enjoy my presence. Number two, he said. by the way, this is just a preamble. I'm just setting you up. I'm going somewhere with this. but this just, this, You can take a little notes, but this ain't the sermon. Anyways, so um, so number one is he wants, you to, he wants you to be in his presence. Enjoy that. Number two, he wants you to work. Number three. He says, Genesis 2, chapter 15, verse 15, he says, I I also want you to cultivate. He says, I want you to cultivate. All cultivate means is, I want you to, to make it better. Wherever you show up, it's supposed to be better. Whenever you show, wherever a godly man is, things flourish. Whenever you show up in your house, everything gets better because you're there. When a godly man is acting right, his family is better. His job is better. Everywhere he goes, he makes it flourish because that's how God created you. By the way, God never gives a man a finished product. He always gives you unfinished product. That's why he called you to create. Because when you get the raw material, it's your job now to fashion it, to create it, to bring it to full fruition so that because you are in the house, everything gets better. Your job, gentlemen, the, 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 the text tells us, is to create. Here's what that means. That means to cultivate. Excuse me. That means that you will maximize the potential of everything around you. When he gives you something, he wants you to make it better. That's why you don't complain about your wife. The reason you don't complain is because if she was finished... Then he wouldn't have given her to you. The reason he gave her to you, gentlemen, is so that you can put the finishing touches on it. So you're supposed to cultivate her. So, girl, ladies, and we talking about girls. Ladies, in the house, listen. So, whenever you're having a bad day, just look at your boo and say, Boo, cultivate me, boo. Cultivate me, cultivate me. Cultivate me. <laughs> cultivate me. I need a little work, boo. Cultivate your girl. Cultivate your girl. Work it! That's what he wants you to do. Cultivate it. Make it better. You are in the house. You showed up. Make it better. Number four, he says uh number one is you gotta you gotta enjoy his presence number two is you gotta make sure you're working number three is you gotta you gotta you gotta cultivate it you gotta make it better because you showed up by the way um jesus was married to ecclesia that's the greek word for church here's what he says whenever he saw a spot or a wrinkle he says what he did was oh there that spot that spot shouldn't be there. Let me go to work and make sure I smooth that spot out. When I see a wrinkle, he says, "Let me let me take a little heat to it and make sure that that wrinkle gets smoothed out." That's the job of a man when he shows up. When he sees stuff's wrong, he creates it, he smooths it out so that he presents her perfect. Fellas, your job is when she shows up, that's the time to go to work because you're going to make her better. Everywhere you go, gentlemen, it must be better because you show up. Anyways, number four, number four. We got, this ain't the message. This is the preamble. Number, number four is, number four is, number four is, uh, you, ought to, you ought to guard. This is all in first, um, I mean, Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. Uh, you ought to guard, 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 guard to protect. To pre- He didn't say to abuse. He didn't say to use your words to to, to beat her down. He didn't say to make sure that she listened to you and that she do what you say. That's not what the text says. The text says you ought to guard her. In other words, there is a protection component about you that your job, Pastor Matt helped us out on Friday night when he says, you are the head. When the body tells the head that something is wrong, the body, the head don't yell at the body. The the head says, hold on, I'm sensing that something is wrong. So let me make sure I put whatever is necessary around the part that is in pain. So I protect it enough so that it can heal well. And then I can release the stuff I put all around it to protect. Protected. your job man is to make sure that you're so sensitive to the ones you lead that you are you're sensing that something is happening and then you're stepping in to provide the protection for it that's your job fellas that's it that's what God's calling you to do and then lastly lastly let's go back in the garden. lastly he says not only do I want you to enjoy my presence not only do I want you to number two make sure that you are uh uh, 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 number two. There you go. Working. Number three. Good. Number four. Good. See, you know it. And then the last one is that he wants you to make sure that you know his word. Because God said, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to eat from any of these trees except this one. I want to make sure you know my word. The problem with too many men today is you don't know the Bible. And because you don't know it, you don't know how to guard, protect, cultivate, or enjoy God's presence because you don't know the word of God. So here's what he says. I want you to know my word. I want you to know when I'm speaking to you. I want you to know my word well enough so that you can lead your family in it. If you don't know the word, then you don't know what God's requiring of you. Now, God says, after he did all that, he says, it is not good... For man to be alone. The problem is most of y'all missed what he said. He said it is not good for the man to be alone. Now, most of you read that and said it's not good for any man to be alone. That is not what the text says. The text says it's not good for the man who is in his presence, for the man who works, for the man who God cultivates and knows his word, it is not good for that man to be alone. Which means, if you ain't in the garden, if you one of them men who don't know God's presence, don't know God's word, then it is good for you to be alone. You need to stay alone because you ain't in his presence. Oh, I'm trying to help somebody today. Ladies, don't clap yet because when y'all looking for a man, y'all don't care where he come from. As long as you got a six-pack, you'll be like, ooh, I find me a bushman. I find me a bushman. What's wrong with y'all? Two weeks later, you run up into the church talking about, can we get some counseling? Uh Uh-uh. You went to the bush, go back to the bush to get some counseling. Somebody up there mad at me right now, man. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Hey, by the way, this is the preamble. This ain't the word yet. This is the preamble. Come here. Um, but that's in the garden. Watch this. That's before sin. Sin ain't happened yet. So I got to get to the real word. Because this in the garden before sin. The, the serpent hasn't shown up yet. The serpent is about to show up. No, let's, let, let's do a little revisiting. Why? The serpent show up, and now, instead of Adam knowing the word, instead of Adam guarding, instead of Adam uh, cultivating, he lets his wife talk to a snake. So he don't know the word, he not guarding her. See, man, when we show up, And we show up the way God wants us to be, everything flourishes. Because you erect, and you say, Come on, we got this. When you start leaning, (laughs) then everything in your life leans with you. So no wonder you this or you this or your house look. Leaning. Because you're not showing up. Anyways, so sin shows up, and when sin shows up, now the problem is. Satan wants to take over. The world wants to take over. The culture wants to take over. So now the culture wants to define what a man is. Because we're not listening to the word. Ain't nobody care about protecting. Ain't nobody care about uh, cultivating. Nobody cares about God's presence. So when you remove all of those, then the world can project its image on us. Now you have men that are confused. Now you have men that don't know what it means to be a man. And by the way, you got to remember, when you're raising boys, boys look in the mirror. And what they're looking for is what does it mean to be a man? Dad? which means they're looking at your life. And your life is simply a mirror. And they're going to do exactly what you do. So if you're not in the Word, they're not going to be in the Word. If you're not in God's presence, they're not going to be in God's presence. Men, if you're not cultivating, they're not cultivating. If you're not working, they're not working. Because they're looking in the mirror. And watch this now. They're going to repeat and they're going to follow. Listen, any body that's reflected in that mirror. So if a drug dealer is reflected there, that's who they're going to follow. If, if 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 watch this, if a woman's reflected there, they're gonna look like that. That's why you cannot put your role to the side. That's why we need you, because you need a man to raise a boy. Uh-huh. So here's what the culture said. Don't miss this. Here's what the culture said. The culture said four things. The culture said, one, um, you're going to be Mr. Macho. Mr. Macho, you, you're you the tough guy. That's who you're going to be. And the culture says that's who I want you to be. So then the culture says this. What's Mr. Macho? Deny your feelings. Ignore the law. Never complain or apologize. Um, accomplish the impossible and take what you want. Every great movie with the superhero, he ain't never apologizing. He, he just take over. And that's the image of manhood that we see. And that's where we get it from. That's the mirror many, many men look at. And that's the only thing you see. Because he didn't have a dad. Because your dad didn't do his job. Because he was absent. Now you're looking and you think that's what manhood is. Because that's what the culture projects. Number two, what the culture projects toward us. Second one is, it projects Mr. Pretender. You know this guy. This is the guy that presents one thing to the world, but is somebody completely different. And he lives that way. Presents one thing to the world, completely different. Let me show you what he does. Listen, he, he's he belittles others, especially his family, to build himself up. Tears down his family to build himself up. Here it is, here it is. The family ridicules him behind his back, laughs at him behind his back. Uh, he, he's frightened by the world, and everyone that gets close to him, he pushes them aside because he doesn't want anybody to get close to him. That's what the culture wants for you to be the pretender. That you can't, you have no close friends that you can pour into and share your heart so you keep it all in until one day you explode. Number three is Mr. Wimp. Mr. Wimp, y'all know him. Mr. Wimp is a dude who gives the responsibility of that family over to his wife because he's scared. He's scared, he's afraid. So what he does is he says, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, ain't nobody going happy if mama ain't happy. So let's make sure mama happy. Hey, light up. In the, don't make mama, mad Because if she ain't mad, everybody's everybody going to get mad. So let's just let her do instead of correcting mama's attitude. So you got to be a man to do that. But you got to be a man that know the word to do that. To say, mama, that ain't walking in the spirit. Mama, that ain't walking in the spirit. I don't care if you want to hold out. I don't care if you want to say you ain't getting none. That's a sin, and I'm going to call it out in the name of Jesus. (laughs) Fix that attitude, mama. Only a man that knows God's word that's in God's presence can speak and and declare over his wife that that will not happen in this house. We will together, me and you, walk in the Spirit. Say it! Some of y'all are too scared, so I'm going to give you ammunition. Say it! four ladies just left the church four ladies just <laughs> left the church you better not follow that man you can follow him all you want but I'm going to put you back in your place that's the women. the last one two more people going to leave after this one the last one Woo. is the man who don't know who he is anybody out there is Mr. Confused. You know Mr. Confused. He's like Michael Jackson. Boy George. Prince. He don't know who he is. You don't know which side he on. Somebody's going to get mad right there. My job is not to impress you. My job is to please Jesus. Mr. Confused, have an identity confusion, and don't even pretend to be masculine. I'm just telling you, that's what the world said. This is what the world wants us all to accept. This is who it is. This is who you need to be, Mr. Macho, Mr. Pretender, Mr. Wimp, or Mr. Confused. That's who he was. And the Bible rejects all four. All four. So then, what is... What is the text asking us to, after sin, listen, don't miss this now, after sin showed up, everything changed. Man, I need you to scoot up and listen to everything I'm about to say now. After sin showed up, that was the garden, that was Genesis chapter substitute. Now everything changed. What changed? Sin showed up. God says, well, let me try Noah. Noah, can you save these people? Noah tried, didn't work. Then he says, I'm going to try Abraham. And through Abraham, everything is going to be blessed. And that didn't work either. He gave them the law. They couldn't measure up to the law. So he had to send the one. His name was Jesus. No, that's why what I'm about to say is so important, which is why I thought I'd camp out here today on Father's Day. Because too many people are confused about the gospel. So let me show you why this is so incredibly profound for every man and woman, really, in the house. Turn the page over in your notes, if you don't mind, and let's talk about it. I'm going to start in the book of Philippians, because uh, Paul talks about two dudes, one Timothy and the other Epaphroditus. And he says some words about them that shocks me. To one, he says, to one, he says, I want you to, I want you to honor a man like this. To the other, he says, I ain't never find a dude like this. So to one, he says, this is so rare. I've never seen a dude like this. To the other, he says, men, when you see men like this, you ought to honor them, hold them in high regard. Well, what kind of men is that, Paul? Why are you so impressed with them? Did these guys get it right after the gospel, after sin? Did they get it right? Let's talk about it. We're going to be in uh, 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 Philippians chapter 2. I want you to read, first of all, verse 19. Then I want you to go all the way down to 29. And then I'm going to set the story up so you know why he says this. So here's what he says. He says, but I hope in, in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. He's highlighting this man Timothy and the question you and I must ask is why? Why is Timothy so significant? Look at verse 20. Here's what he said. Verse 20. He says this, for I have no one else of kindred spirit. I cannot find somebody else like this. Why is Paul holding up this dude so high? I can't find nobody. There's not a lot of man I can find like this one. What makes him so special? Go all the way back down now and let's look at verse number, verse number 29. Look at what he says about Epaphroditus. Verse number 29, here's what he says here. He says this. He says, watch it. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy. Watch it. And people like him Peep and hold people like him in high regard. Why? Why Epaphroditus? Why Timothy? Because they knew something and committed their life to something that most of us are not since the garden. Come here. So let me show you the whole book of Philippians and why this is so important. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 through 29. He says, I want you to live in a manner worthy. I want you to read a couple of verses. Come with me and let me show you why this is so important for every person in the house. Chapter 1, verse number 27 through 29. Let's see if we can pick that up and go from there. Here's what he says. Listen. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the... Say this word with me. Awesome. Only conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the... Of Christ, So that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I will hear of you that you st- are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, watch it now, striving together for the faith of the gospel. He says, I want every person I know to be unified around this thing called the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, it's going oh, to make sense. Next verse, verse 28. Watch what he says. And in no way be alarmed, and in no way alarmed by your opponents. In other words, I want you to be fiercely unified around the gospel. Men, he wants you to be fiercely, not passively, fiercely unified around the gospel. You want a challenge? Here's what Paul's throwing on the challenge field. He says, you ought to know the gospel, and you ought to commit your life to the gospel. Here's the problem with the church. Most people, if I ask you today, what is the gospel? You don't know. The whole New Testament talks about this thing called the gospel. And if I survey a hundred believers, they cannot articulate to me what the gospel is. And that's because pastors like me spend so much time trying to pump you up. That you we don't teach you what the gospel is. And it's the only thing that can set you free. And it's because you don't know the gospel while you live in bondage and not in freedom. So let's talk about the gospel. Before we go any further, before you can understand Timothy and Epaphroditus, I need to teach you about the gospel. So let's talk about what the gospel is. There's six things It's not in your notes, so write them down. I need everybody in this. If, if you're online, I need you to write these down too. I'm going to explain the gospel to you five, first, finally, and for all, so you can never say the excuse that you don't know what the gospel is. So let me see if I can help you all Here's what the gospel is. In as simple terms as I know how, there's six aspects to this thing called the gospel. And you need to know them so you can articulate them to people. Number one, there was a plan. Before the foundation of earth, God had this whole thing figured out. And there was a plan. What would the scripture say this? Christ died for us According to the scriptures, which means it was a plan before he had a plan. God set it up in eternity past so that there can be the salvation of men. Number two, it was an event in history. It was a real event that happened in history. That's why you don't argue with people about the Bible. You argue with them about Jesus, and you argue with them about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And nobody can disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why you don't argue about well, a uh, uh, Haggai chapter two wasn't really there. You say, here's what I know. I believe in Jesus that he died, and any man that can any man that can predict his death, die, raised from the dead, and he told you before he was that he was going to do. It. I believe in him. So why do I believe in the scriptures? Because he believed in. Scripture because he quote the scripture, "And until you can get Jesus Christ and His death, burial and resurrection out and prove that it's false, then I'm going to stay with Jesus. Excuse me. <laughs> Let me show you what the gospel is. So there is this event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. and after the event, there was an achievement. What did this event do? Its vital for you to notice That event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, meant that now the issue of sin from the garden was dealt with. Now the issue of righteousness has been achieved because no longer do you need lambs and goats. Now the perfect lamb of God has been taking the sins of the world upon himself so that righteousness is now possible because of what Jesus Christ did. I'm telling you what the gospel is. So after this, now it was a free gift. You cannot work for this thing. You don't work for it to get saved, nor do you work for it to keep uh, reminding yourself that you are in Jesus Christ. It is a free gift that's offered to you. But in light of that, what else, what was the application of this achievement? You know what that was? You know can get forgiveness of sin. Now you can get imputed righteousness since you accepted the free gift. So now the Father don't look at you like you once were. He looks at Jesus, which is why you don't wallow in guilt, which is why you don't wallow in shame, which is why you don't wallow in embarrassment, because Jesus Christ paid it all for you. So quit nullifying Jesus' death by walking around with your head down like you ain't nobody. He died so you can be somebody. No, here's the, here's the bad news. That's where it stops for most Christians. That's the bad news. Because all you care about was going to heaven. That's the bad news that you think all Christianity is, is that I don't have to go to hell. I pray a little prayer, and I'm good, and I'm going to heaven. I am not burning anymore. And most people believe it stops there. But it doesn't. You're missing the whole point of why he did all of this. So now let me tell you what the last thing, and that is he did all of this to bring us to God. Which means now God is the prize. Which means now the gift that you've always wanted is now yours. Listen, what that means is you get your satisfaction from God. You don't get it from a house. You don't get it from a retirement account. You don't get it from a bank account. You don't get it from a car. You don't get it from your little entrepreneurial endeavors. You don't get it from having a wife or a husband. You don't get it from having kids. You don't get it. your whole satisfaction is rooted in Jesus Christ that's the good news now no 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 listen that's why people jump off buildings because they don't know the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ their satisfaction is in something else and because that thing or that person disappointed them now they want to jump off a building you have the gospel to tell the whole world You, you have the gospel to tell your CEO I don't have to work here because this is not my all in all. My joy doesn't come from this job. It comes from being rooted in Jesus Christ. God is most glorified in me when I am satisfied in him. That's why, that's why, that's why, that's why, that's why. If God forbid one of your kids go prematurely, the reason you don't pull your hair out and you're going to mourn and you're going to cry and you're going to cry for a long time, it's going to be hard. But my joy was never from my kids. I I enjoy my kids. But my joy is not rooted there. That's why you can't have Job that says, you can take it all. It's okay. I'm still going to bless the name of Jesus. That's because his satisfaction was in God. And the problem with today's Christianity is our satisfaction is in everything else but God. And so when when you lose your job, you want to blame God. When you lose something else, you want to blame God. When you don't get the mates, you want to blame God. When she leads you, you want to blame God. When, because your satisfaction was never in God. Which is why all you have to do to know this is watch what people say God tell them. Just watch what people say God tell them. Yeah, I just think it's God. I think God just leading me for this promotion. Why he never lead you in the opposite direction? It's always what you want that he leads you to. That's because all Americans, it's not the Americans, the whole world, all we do now is just use God so that nobody can argue with us. That's all we do. Because our satisfaction is God, give me what I want. Let's make a deal. It's not in God Himself. He started out, I want you to enjoy my presence. I want you to bask in my presence. man. I'm talking to you now. I need a generation of men that know that my car is cool and I want a cool ride, but that ain't where I get my joy. I want men to rise up and say my job's real good and I love my job and I want to be the best at my job, but that's not where my joy comes from. I need a generation of men who are convinced that the gospel is my You want abundant life? He said, that's what Jesus came to give you, the abundant life. You don't want to be settled with some some half-rated life. He came to give you life and give you more abundantly. And we need men who know that and don't get caught up with what the rest of the world wants to offer you. But you know that there's a calling on your life. That's why he says now, I see these two dudes. They're none like them. You know what my prayer is for our church this whole weekend? That we'll raise up a generation of men yeah. that are just like Timothy yeah. and just like Epaphroditus. Because sin changed the game. It really did. Because of sin. Ah, see, you're gonna mess, I'm going to mess you up now. Because of sin, here's what Jesus says. Because of sin, what's important is the gospel going forth. That's more important than everything else. He says, that's what's more. It's the gospel. The fact that my satisfaction comes from God and I will do whatever it takes. uh, Fiercely, unified with my brothers, make sure the world knows about Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so blessed because I had a dad that I had a front row seat to see him do this. This is what his entire life was built around the gospel. And oftentimes I ask God, God, where are the men that that live like that? Why is this so rare? And it's rare because it's a fog in the pulpits of America. So since we don't teach you, you don't know what to expect. You don't know how to live. Because we'd much rather tell you to go grab your blessing than to go sacrifice your life. But be careful because you stop giving. Praise God, not this church. But y'all, most churches, they stop giving when you stop telling them to grab their blessing and to sacrifice their life. When Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. I didn't come to be the star. I came to be the servant and to be the servant of all. Watch the text. Let's go. My my time's running up. Let's go. Watch it now. Watch the back of your notes. Let's fill it out. Five things five gospel, five characteristics of gospel-centered men in light of the new reality of sin and the gospel. Here's what Paul said about these five guys. Watch this. Watch it. Here we go. Number one. Number one, he says, um, I want you to, you have number one up? Number one, he says, I want you to, uh, to be empathetic. Philippians chapter 2, 22, 21. In other words, I want men who will put relationship over results. Watch what the text says. I want men who will put relationship over his earth. Here it goes. For I have no one else of kindred spirit, watch it now, who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. Not his welfare, for your welfare. Next verse. What's the next verse? Watch it. Listen, here's where most men go. For they all seek after their own interests and not those of Christ. He says we have too many men who only care about what's in it for them. Well, too many men who, there are no men anymore who back in the day, they would go and they'll sacrifice everything for their kids. He says, I want you to be empathetic. I want you to cry with those who cry. I want you to make sure when you go to your job and you see somebody hurting, you don't just walk by them to get to your results. I'm not saying results are absolutely important, but you need to know you have a higher calling than just the results on your job. It's huge, man. So now you've got to make sure you're put in relationships before results. You got to be empathetic this week. True story. This week, um, um, my son has to go to the dentist. His teeth are pretty jacked up. So we take him to the dentist pretty regularly. Um, and so he's got to go. And this week, um, he's, he went last week and he had to go again this week. And it was a little much, you know what I mean? It was a little much. And so um, um, his, his, his mom, Jada, went upstairs and, and she's trying to get him ready for this appointment. To which he said to her, I ain't going. So she didn't want to fight with him and have this discussion. So she says, hey, Conway, come get your son. <laughs> so I said, what's up, what's up, what's up? Well, he don't want to go to the dentist. He's got to get a teeth pulled to make room for the others. I really don't want to go to the dentist. So, so then I said, all right, no worries, no worries, no worries. So I got my best son's speech ready. My best one. No joke, this is a true story. This just happened last week. Just so, that's so. way I'm trying to walk in his shoes. I said, so this truth, this really, everything I'm about to say really did happen. I said, um, I said, but, um. I said, let me first go, let me first go, um, the fact that you are, you're very fortunate. So I said, hey son, do you realize that most people that around the world don't have this incredible dental care and you get to do that? Most people just have to stay with their teeth away, but you get to have the opportunity for them to fix it at a young age. That's pretty incredible. Would you look at me? And they looked back down. Okay, that didn't work. So I said, let me go international on him. Let me go international. <laughs> this really did happen in my mind. Really so I said, hey, da, I said, hey, but look, I want you to look at daddy's mouth. You see, there's a tooth missing right here, right back here. Do you see that? You say, you know why that happened? Because where, where I come from in Jamaica, they, we didn't have all that money to be able to go do a root canal and all that. So here's what they did. They just pulled it out. But you don't, you're not getting that, but you get, I mean, they're doing some different things to make sure your smile's great. He looked at me. He put his head down. <laughs> <sighs> so I said, "All right, let me let me um, let me walk in his shoes." True story. This really did happen. So I said, "But do you know, Dad? Would uh, if I could, I'd really I'd really let him pull my teeth out, so that you don't have to get yours pulled, because I I, I know it's hurting when you go, and I know you don't like it because it's painful. But son, wouldn't you want just just like just like fifteen minutes of pain?" that you can have a lifestyle of a good smile. Wouldn't that be good for you, buddy? I mean, I I would do it for you. I just can't because it's not going to help if they pull one of my teeth. So wouldn't that help? I paused. And I looked at him and I said, son, this is a true story. Then I said, son, I I really know it's hurting. And I know it's going to hurt, but I want to do it. And all of a sudden, tears start coming down my eyes. So this little dude turns around. He ain't never seen me cry before. Look at me. In his mind, he didn't say this out loud. In his mind, he'd be like, it don't take all that, bro. <laughs> it really don't. Uh, uh, and so I said, okay, son. He said, okay, dad, dad l- let me get ready. So I went downstairs. This up. <laughs> went downstairs. <laughs> so he comes down the stairs, all dressed to go to the dentist. So I said, hey, bud, hey, bud, I, I, did that talk help? No. <laughs> it didn't. I'm just going to have to go. I said, son, you got you got to man up. This is what boys do. One day you're going to have to take care of your family. You're going to have to take care of your kids, and you're going to have to tell them this same story. He says, "Dad, thank you. I'm good." Well, I'm going to spank you. You're being disrespectful <laughs> <slifter> right now. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, here's all I'm trying to say: these guys, they knew how to be empathetic. They knew how to walk in somebody else's shoes, to feel the pain they're feeling. And to make sure that the gospel was at the center of this all. All I'm asking you to do, man, is to choose relationship over results. Number two. He went from empathy. Then number two, he goes to faithfulness. Here's what he said with faithfulness. With faithfulness, he says, I want you to choose, he says, I want you to choose character over conformity. Character over conformity. I want you to be faithful and choose character over conformity conformity that's what he says so what, what does that look like he says verse 22 he says um i'm going to read it in a minute but he says it's the man who does that for 20 verse 22 says timothy has proved himself he has served with me in the work of the gospel the word prove means tested faithfulness it means he was bent but he did not break see what? See the word proven character He's been there about what though? That he served with me in the furtherance of the the gospel, gospel, like a child serving his father. Gentlemen, are you serving? It's after the garden. The issue now is sin. The issue now we have a broken world that needs to be connected to the father. Is that a part of your life? Or is it just something you do when you come to church on Sunday? Are you modeling that, that this, is, this is my joy and satisfaction, the prize of your life now? Is it really Jesus or is it something else? He says, Paul does, that he's been proven faithful over time. Number three, I got to go. Time's running. Number three, it's collaboration. Collaboration. The first part of verse number 25. Here's what it says. Verse number 25 of Philippians chapter 2. Watch the words. He he switches from Timothy for the first two now to Epaphroditus. He says, but I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Watch the words he uses. My brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier. He's not a loner. He's in him. He's with Paul in this. They're doing it together. They're collaborating. Who is also your messenger and minister to my needs. Um, Recently... Not this last week. The week before, uh, there's a, some of you don't watch soccer, but let me tell you about it. Um, there's a soccer game between a country called Denmark and Finland. For the first, I've never seen this happen in a soccer game before. For the first time, right before halftime, about 43 minutes in, the main star of the Denland team, Denmark team, um, falls and just drops, collapses, just, just out of nowhere. This is, there's, a, there's about to do a throw in, and this dude just collapses. He's the Denmark don't have a lot of stuff. He's the main star collapses. Number four, his friend comes around him and he says, no, 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 we got to protect him because he did not, he did not want people to take a picture of him in that state. So he went straight to him. He held his tongue so it wouldn't go down his throat. He put him to the side and then somehow they start doing CPR until everybody start rushing in, uh, the, the paramedics, everybody to give him, to give him CPR. And so then he got all his friends, they circled around him they served him because they wanted to protect him from all the people that would take pictures and then put it on social media of the man in this worst state. So then they flagged all around him of both the Denlin team and the Finland team, all around him to protect this man that was hurting so deeply. And many people feared dead. Never happened in a game before. So then they got flags, and the Denmark flag was linked with the the Finland flag, and they just circled him so nobody could get any pictures of this man in the state that he was in. Then the number four left, went to the stands, got his girlfriend, brought it down, and holding her, carrying her to the body. She's crying, he's crying, all the way there. Here's all I want to tell you. If that man can collaborate and two countries who are opposing each other, And fighting each other can come together around one common person that looked like they were going to die. How much more? For the man of God, who one dude died, but he got up. Can we... Gather around and be fiercely unified around the gospel of Jesus Christ that sets us free. You've got the good news and you're keeping it to yourself. You've got the good news that we shouldn't go after anything as the prize of your life. Is the fact that you get to know Jesus as personal Lord and Savior. And you get to hang out with him and treasure him and be valued by him and get his identity in you. And you don't want to tell everybody else about that? That's what collaboration is all about. You must fiercely be unified around how your whole office can get saved. You must fiercely be unified around how your community can get saved. It must all be a strategy because apart from God, you would be dead one minute from now. Number four, number four, he continues. That was a prophet, praf- a the next one is commitment. And he says, you must choose Christ over comfort. Ain't this for all Americans. You must choose Christ over comfort. Watch verse 26 and 27. Go to verse 26. Um, here's what he says. Watch this. He has to go 800 yards to get to where Paul is. Watch the text. Because, 800 miles. Uh, because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. Next verse. Watch it. Watch it. For indeed, he was sick to the point of death. But the gospel was too important. But God had mercy on him. And he did not turn around. He did not stop. He kept on going, not only on him, but also on me, because I didn't want him to die and increase my sorrow so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Do you have that kind of commitment to the gospel? Do you? Last one, and then we're done. Courage. Courage is what he says. Here's what he says here. Uh, He chose service over security. He chose service over security. Go to verse 29 and 30, and then let's wrap it up. Come on. Receive him then in the Lord with all joy and hold people like him in high regard. Last verse, verse 30. Because he came close to death. He had the courage to keep fighting for the work of Christ. That's the gospel. Risking his very life to compensate for your absence in your service to me. Let me close with this, and then I'm done. See, many many Christians today, here's what they think. Many Christians today believe that if you love Jesus, what they come to church to do is think, okay, here's a list of five. Let me just go, go, go work to have these five here. And let me just put the fruit on the tree and tape it on. And then everybody will see that I am a godly man. That is not how this takes place. The way this takes, that's called behavior modification. The way this takes place is, You have to water the roots. Your The root system has to be linked in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. And the more you nurture your root system, the more you nurture the sower, then the, then the roots will take from the sower and will go up through the branches. And now you will have fruit that will remain because you're not focusing on the fruit. You're focusing on the presence of God and your relationship with God. And what we have in church today is too many people that want to go say, hey, here are the four things I need to go do. That's not how this goes. It starts with a relationship with God. It starts with you, God being glorified in you. And here's how he's most glorified. When you're satisfied in him. When him alone brings you ultimate satisfaction. When him alone, when you say, God, nothing else will satisfy me but you. And you fight for that for the rest of your life. So we're asking for the generation of men that will do that so all the men in the house will you stand up let me pray for you real quick I don't have time to go to my to go to that illustration we're done let's stand up all the men all the men just stand right where you are Uh, ladies give them all a round of applause one more time for me please I want to pray for you father I thank you for every man that's standing every last one God, will you help us to lead the charge in being fiercely unified around the gospel of Jesus Christ? If it was before the garden, God, then those five would have been fine the presence of God, work, cultivate, um, guard, and then know the word. That's it. That's all you'd have needed. But because of sin, then we must become fiercely unified around the gospel. This thing that has set us free, the gospel where you died and because you did, you gave us your righteousness and because we have it, our brains, our minds have been transformed, our hearts, desires have changed and what we want is more of you, not more stuff, but more of you. I pray that you'll raise up a generation of men that cry out to you who find their satisfaction not in toys, but in Christ. I pray that God that this house will start the revival and that we will be known for men who care deeply about the things of God and who want uh, find complete joy and satisfaction in him and not the things that the world has to offer. And God, I pray in light of that, that you'll help each one of us to be empathetic, faithful, to love collaborating with other men around the gospel, committed and courageous will you raise up a generation of men like that in this house and our online community at all of campuses please god this is our prayer this is our plea this is our cry in the name of jesus we pray and everybody said come on let's celebrate these men one more time everybody yeah 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 we can do better than that come on come on come on we love you fellas